There was a time when Elvis Presley had 12 of the top 100 country music hits of the year. Before he was the king, his style of music was so novel that the industry did not have a handle for it, so artists like Elvis, Sonny James, Carl Perkins, and Gene Vincent were all lumped in with country icons such as Kitty Wells, Porter Wagner, Ray Price, and Hank Snow. Rock and roll was a far cry from country music, of course, and soon enough, the young rockers were found mostly on the pop charts, although Elvis was also on the country charts as late as six years after his passing, which was two years after rock and roll finally got their own listing in 1981. Beginning with obvious differences sonically and culturally between chartmates like Blue Suede Shoes by Carl Perkins and Just One More by George Jones, rock and country were two styles that seemed destined to never meet again. But it took less than a generation for pioneers like Graham Parsons to fuse them together, first with the International Submarine Band, then with The Birds, and later with his solo albums alongside Emmy Lou Harris. From there, examples of this delicious mixture of what before seemed like oil and water abound. From the massive hits from artists like the Eagles, to less well-known but equally enduring music of bands like the Flatlanders, to the following generations of bands and artists who were first called alt-country before Americana became the umbrella term for everything from cowpunk to rockabilly. Drop the needle on any of Sarah Shook and the Disarmers albums and there's no doubt that they are part of the country rock movement. Taking their music at face value, you might think Sarah Shook grew up on the likes of Uncle Tupelo, Lucinda Williams, and Kelly Hogan. But that was not the case, and it's just one of the remarkable things about Sarah we uncover in this episode. I'm not the kind of person that really digs through an artist or a band's entire discography. I'm like, oh my God, this song is amazing. I'm going to listen to it like 50 times in the next three days. Um, And also because I was homeschooled and I wasn't allowed to listen to music, I just, I feel like I'm perpetually playing catch up because of my upbringing and because of my weird listening proclivities. Coming up, more conversation with Sarah Shook about everything from the evolution of sound in their new album, Night Roamer, their road to sobriety, how Southern culture is reflected in their music, how things we might think that negatively affect just the LGBTQ community also extend to everyone else, and much more. Plus, we drop in on some songs from Night Roamer, Sarah Shook and the Disarmer's third collection, which includes the song you are hearing now, Been Loving You Too Long. It is an album that maintains their trademark sound while also bringing it forward into some new territory with producer Pete Anderson at the helm and is already on a lot of shortlists for year-end honors. I'm Joe Kendrick. Welcome to our episode on Sarah Shook here on Southern Songs and Stories, where we celebrate the music of the South and the artists who make it. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media. Osiris creates music podcasts and events to help music fans deepen their connection to the music they love with all of their shows at OsirisPod.com. Osiris works in partnership with Jam Bass, which connects music fans to the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. 
Capsule versions of Southern Songs and Stories are produced for broadcast on WNCW by me, Corey Askew. More information about this and other podcasts from Grassroots Radio, WNCW, at WNCW.org. That is a bit of Night Roamer, the title track to Sarah Shook and the Disarmer's new collection. I asked Sarah what that title means. I wrote the the title track when um, our former drummer Kevin and I were driving. We were driving the van and trailer from um, some some place on the East Coast to Denver, and the rest of the band was going to fly in, and then we were going to start the tour from there. And one of our stops was in Hayes, Kansas. And I was drinking a lot in those days. I was I was kind of getting to a point where I was tired of it. Um, it just started feeling like this is something that I know what the outcome is. And it's a pattern that is just predictable. It's kind of old hat at this point. Um, so I was in a place where like I was trying to quit drinking kind of, but I also had like uh, a bottle of whiskey in my backpack at all times still. Um, so Kevin and I pulled up to this hotel. It was really late. We were tired. We've been driving all day. And I thought to myself, if I am not going to drink tonight, I need to like put some physical distance between myself and the bottle. And so I went for a walk and it was it was July, I think. It was hot. It was it was a really nice night. Um, and I just sort of walked down the main drag that we were on. Um, and it didn't take any turns. And I ended up at a cemetery and just sat down and wrote Night Roamer, which was really unusual. Typically, I have to be alone. And it's, it's really rare for me to write a song without a guitar in my hand. Because um, it seems like for me with songwriting, uh, writing the music and writing the lyrics at the same time is, is sort of standard procedure. Um, but I wrote this song, I got back to the hotel and just sat by the pool and figured out the chords and the, and the melody. Um, but for me, night roaming is something that I do a lot, especially on tour. Um, I, I like to walk around and, um, I've, I've always been a night person. I don't know about you. I don't know if you're a night owl or, or a, a morning person. Um, but for me, there's something really magical about being outside and walking around when it's dark. And it feels like the whole world is sort of settling in for the night. And um, there's so much going on in nature then at that, at the, in those hours that um, that I don't want to miss, you know? Oh, I like that. Well, how about the Disarmers? Um, so the Disarmers, um, it's definitely not a word that you encounter a lot. And 
honestly, it's really hard to pick a band name these days because it seems like everything's been done to death. So when I chose that name, I wanted it to be something that was unique and memorable. Um, And also, uh, I feel like the word disarming is, is a pretty apt description, even just for this group of humans that I play music with. Um, I feel like there's a lot of uh, mischief and playfulness um, and, you know, that that can have a very disarming effect on people. All right. You've talked about succeeding in making music with your new record that's expansive, that feels like things are opening up, a kind of a bigger feeling. And what was your motivation for this approach? Um, I think a, a lot of that had to do with uh, getting sober and being in recovery and facing facing issues from my past that I had been numbing and avoiding with substance substances. Um, and I feel like it was very like making a record that was more expansive and more um, self-aware and contemplative that felt very in keeping with what I was going through, like in real time. Um, so it ended up, I feel like it ended up being a pretty accurate depiction of where I was in this moment of time, which was almost like having, you know, a foot in two different worlds, um, where you're not totally in the clear yet, but you are, heading in the right direction. What about Pete Anderson? How was his work on the record? What was his role? Um, you know, we do a lot of pre-production ourselves. That's sort of the, the I think, the magic of the Disarmers. I write a song and I bring it to the band. Um, and by the time I bring it to the band, it has the lyrics, the chords, the melody, and a loose arrangement. Um, And then I bring all of that to the band and then together collaboratively, we sit down and we finalize the arrangement together. Um, And, you know, everyone's ideas are tried no matter how (laughs) far out or weird they are. Um, And so by the time we get to the studio, most of that work is done. we were out at Pete's studio for a couple days, I think, before um, we even got like FaceTime with him. Uh, and he sat down with me and Eric, and he wanted to hear all the songs, just me on acoustic singing, and Eric on um, on just doing some like acoustic, totally unplugged leads and stuff. Um, so there really wasn't that much that he changed uh, by the time that we got there. Um, and yeah, it was it was overall I'd say that it was a it was a decent experience.
Music history is filled with examples of songs that were almost never recorded or almost not released, but became well-known, sometimes the artist's biggest hits. Kurt Cobain thought Smells Like Teen Spirit sounded too much like a Pixie song and did not want it included on Nirvana's Nevermind before eventually relenting. Prince originally wrote Kiss for funk band Maserati's debut album, only to take it back and record it himself after liking their version so much. Motown Records shelved Jimmy Mac by Martha and the Vandellas for two years before finally releasing it. The list goes on and on. Add to it this song, I Got This by Sarah Shook and the Disarmers, a last-minute addition to their album Night Roamer. Sonically, there is uh, an evolution, I can sense, in Night Roamer, particularly on a song like I Got This. Was that something that came about organically, or was that something that you had wanted to have happen beforehand? Uh, we, we never really have... Uh... We don't really have agendas. Like, I know that a lot of artists um, and a lot of songwriters when they sit down and they're planning the next album, it's a plan and it's an agenda and they have like, you know, vision boards and whatever. Um, I'm not totally sure on the vision board thing, but um, we, we don't have any of that. And what we have is the songs. And for us, everything is about playing the song um, in the way that really accentuates the brightest spots like there there needs to be dynamic and um and uh, yeah it's we don't really plan albums we focus on the songs and then we get this sort of group of songs together um I had not planned on I got this being on the record or been loving you and uh we had I think we had 11 or 12 songs that we had worked up and the final rehearsal that we had before we flew out to LA um, to start recording, we ended early and the guys were like, you know, well, do you have anything else? Like everybody's in really good spirits. Like, do you just have a song or two that we could just kind of blow, blow through for fun? Um, so we ended up running through, I got this and been loving you. And um, they were like, yeah, these should probably go on the record. We really like these. Um, so again, not planned at all um, and wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have even happened if somebody hadn't been like, hey, we should we should do something just for fun since we've been working so hard for the last three years. That's so funny because now you have joined the club of artists that have last minute songs that <laughs> it, will, it, it will remain to be seen how popular song like I Got This becomes, but who knows, maybe that's the song that puts it over the edge. And you can probably think of some of these examples throughout history of, hey, then there's this song that we didn't even think was going to be on the record and suddenly yeah. everybody loves that song. Oh yeah, we've we've been in that club. Um, years, the song Years, our title track off of our last release, um, I wrote that like two weeks before we went in the studio. Um, and at the time we were up to speed on all of this, all of the other songs. And I, I just had this 
nagging feeling that would not leave me. And I was like, man, there's just something that's supposed to be there that's not there yet. And I don't know what it is, but unless I figure it out, it's going to drive me crazy and I'm never going to feel like this record is complete. And then, bam, two weeks before we go in the studio, I'm like, guys, don't kill me, but we have a new song that we need to learn and it's the title track, so it's kind of a big deal. (laughs) All right. Hey, well, talking about the subject matter in your songs too, I mean, a lot of this is not for the faint of heart. And, you know, the subject matter of uh, confronting addiction, songs like It Doesn't Change Anything, and I think also Talking to Myself might be a parallel there. Um, And then Hard Fault Recovery is what sounds like the theme to I Got This. So how much of this is you? How much of this is a character study? Uh, Not so much a setting as just the experiences that I was going through and the realizations that I was having. Um, And it, it just, it felt like... It felt like waking up after a really long sleep and being a little bit disoriented and and trying to find your bearings. Um, And I feel like that is definitely a palpable feeling in the record too. There's definitely a little bit of uncertainty and, um, you know, where the heck am I? (laughs) Um, And I like that about the record because it's honest. It's absolutely... You know, it's where I was at the time. Sarah, I want to ask you about being transgender and being an activist in the LGBTQ community. How important is it for people to know this about you? Um, I mean, I, I don't feel like it's the the main story, but it's certainly an important aspect of the story. Um, one of the things that I see a lot on social media um typically when there's an article that's discussing you know the sexuality or the gender identity of an artist you know a lot of people are just like you know we don't care like we just want to hear music and and like i i get that um i i understand it but i think it is important for people to realize that um one of the reasons that it it matters to talk about this stuff is because it's not like equality exists and there's just nothing to worry about anymore um like our rights are being actively attacked um especially right now and unfortunately especially on kids um you know you see the things that are going on in texas with uh governor abbott's directive towards um social services like the things that are that don't say gay bill in florida um if you're not gay and you're not queer, if you're not part of the LGBTQ plus community, these might seem like things that don't affect you. And because of that, you might be inclined to just write them off. Um, but they do affect you um, in in the sense that pretty much everybody that you know has a relationship with someone who is queer or bi or trans or non-binary. Like these are people that populate our world and there are coworkers, there are sisters, there are uncles, um, their family members, their friends, their colleagues. Um, These are people that you encounter every day of your life. And it's, 
it's a privilege and it's something that's taken for granted when you don't have to worry about being discriminated against and having no legal recourse. Um, you know, in North Carolina, like, let's say, you know, I, I drive a car and I have a rainbow flag sticker on my bumper and I'm trying to find housing and I'm going to look at different apartments and a landlord can literally look at my rainbow flag sticker and be like, oh, they're gay or bi or whatever. And then deny me housing and they're allowed to do that. There's no legal recourse for discrimination in the state of North Carolina. Wow. Yeah. How about your fans and your audience? Are you in the position where you've had to fire some fans? Um, I feel like I don't get personally involved as much as I can help it. I, I really don't get personally involved with people's squabbles with me. Um, and that's just something that you kind of learn being in the public eye for as long as I've been. It's like you, you can't make everybody happy. And that is not the goal. <laughs> My goal is not to make everybody happy. My goal is to be myself and to become a better version of myself every damn day by doing the, the work. Um, but I, I'm not shy about who I am and what I stand for. And I'm sure we've lost all kinds of fans um, over that. And I'm not a capitalist. So <laughs> I'm not looking at the numbers and being like, oh, man, we're losing money from record sales. It's like that does not matter. What matters is that everybody that comes to my show feels safe and they don't have to be looking over their shoulder. Yeah, I'm thinking about some of the things that, say, Jason Isbell has said on Twitter, just coming right out front and being like, no, I want you to stop being my fan. I want you yep. to stop going to my shows and just I, calling people out. Absolutely. I do not want your money. I do not want you wearing my my merch. Like, no. Um. Yeah. And everyone, you know, everyone is responsible for their own actions and they're responsible for their own belief systems. Um, and I try to have, I definitely try to have a level of empathy and grace because I grew up with a totally different mindset than I have now. I came from extremely conservative roots. Um, you know, my parents were evangelical conservative Christians and we were super homeschooled and super isolated and sheltered. Um, and yeah, it's like that because I come from that, I understand what it's like to be in that mindset and to exist in those spaces and, and what those conversations are like. Um, and so I, I do have a, I do have a certain amount of compassion um, because it's, it's really, really toxic and it's like a patriarchal system that is only set up to benefit one kind of person. Um, and that's just not, that's not good for anybody. <laughs>
That is Believer by Sarah Shook and the Disarmers from the new album Night Roamer. Coming up, we talk about something that I always get to in this series, which is Southern culture and music and the relationship between the two. I started by asking Sarah about moving to North Carolina as a teenager. It's kind of a long story, but I lived in North Carolina when I was 10 for a while, and then we've been back in North Carolina. I think I was 19 when we moved back. Do you see anything in Southern culture that's reflected in your music, either in a broad sense or maybe something more specific to, say, Garner, North Carolina? Um, I'm I'm not from Garner. I know that that was on our Wikipedia page. I can't remember if it still is, but I'm I'm from Western New York, and I have spent the last 16 years of my life living in Chatham County, North Carolina. So that's where I call home. Um, and both my parents are Southerners. My dad's uh, people are from Mecklenburg County, and uh, my mom's family is largely from Virginia. Um, I would definitely say that I grew up loving. I grew up loving how Southerners say one thing and it has this rich complex completely other meaning (laughs) um i love how i love how southern culture is able to make a point in a very sometimes gentle and indirect way and i feel like that finds its way into my songwriting a lot yeah there's a lot of subtlety yeah It seems that your sound is so well-suited to a place like North Carolina. Maybe not another place like Oklahoma or somewhere. So I I don't know if that has any bearing on what you wind up sounding like. I think the answer might be probably no. What do you think? I feel like the voice that comes out of me when I'm singing Disarmer songs is kind of the same principle as every musician in this band using their instrument in the best way to serve the song. There are times that I will bring to the band a song that I'm like, in my head, this is absolutely, you know, well, this is going to be a country ripper. This is going to be a barn burner. And then I bring it to the band and we're all sitting there. And as we're working through it and as we're playing it together in real time, it becomes this rock and roll thing. Um, And it's not because anybody wanted it to be that way it's just like as we are organically going through this process together this is what's coming out and i really feel the same way about that um i really feel like my my voice is the same way it's like my voice is an instrument um i'm not even i i don't even (laughs) particularly like my voice um but but the for the same reason that i learned guitar I taught myself guitar, like I taught myself how to sing and, you know, how to carry a tune in a bucket. For me, it's not about being a great singer and it's not about being a great guitarist. It's about being a great songwriter. And the singing and the guitar playing, like that's just kind of icing on the cake. But for me, the song is everything. Wrapping up our show with Sarah Shook and the Disarmer's song, Please Be a Stranger, here on Southern Songs and Stories. Our conversation bore witness to Sarah's insights and dedication, and it is no surprise that the songs that follow are equally strong. 
Sarah Shook and the Disarmers are touring the U.S. and Europe this year after a rough start. Sarah came down with COVID-19 and had to cancel the first part of the tour, but thankfully bounced back with no lingering effects. At least some of these dates will be without Disarmers guitarist Eric Peterson, who had played every show with Sarah Shook for the past 11 years. Eric is having some issues with his right arm that affect his playing, and unfortunately had to take a leave of absence. Here's hoping you heal up soon, Eric. Thank you for listening to this episode of Southern Songs and Stories, and I hope you will tell someone you know about us. Please follow us on your podcast platform of choice, and then take a moment to give it a good rating and a review. Top ratings and reviews especially will make Southern Songs and Stories and the artists it profiles more likely to be found by more people just like you. This series is a part of the lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media, with all the Osiris shows available at osirispod.com. You can also hear new episodes on Bluegrass Planet Radio at bluegrassplanetradio.com. Thanks to Corey Askew for producing the radio adaptations of this series on Public Radio WNCW, and to WNCW host Tom Pittman for helping me answer some questions about the country music charts I referenced at the top of the episode. Our theme songs are by Joshua Ming. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick, and this is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South, and the artists who make it. Don't drop out of sight.